Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Be All You. I'm your host, Ryan Pruitt, and on today's episode, we'll hear from my grandparents on my dad's side of the family, Henry and Zita Pruitt. Wow! Yesterday, Disney Plus just released Hamilton, and honestly, even though I'm late to the game, Hamilton is an amazing play. I highly recommend that everyone go see it. But we're not here to talk about how I'm not throwing away my shot. In fact, we're here to interview my grandpa and grandma Pruitt. Let's get right to it. My grandparents have done so much in their lives and are so awesome that I don't really think I can give them a proper introduction. I think the best way I could describe them in less than 10 words is that they're community builders and they're lifelong educators. That's 10 words, right? Well, Sam, cue the intro. For those of you who don't know who Sam is, Sam is the guy who helps me edit the episodes. I'll basically send him a draft of what I think the episode should sound like, and he'll basically send me the episode back with better audio quality and all of these awesome sound effects. Huge shout out to Sam. Let's get started. Hey, I'm Ryan Pruitt, and this is the podcast, Be All You. On this show, we'll learn from up-and-coming entrepreneurs, musicians, and creators. Together, we'll apply the insights learned from our guests to our own lives to create the life we've always dreamed of having. My goal is to help create a world where everyone can do what they love and be who they fully are. Today's episode is all about lifelong education with Henry and Zita Pruitt. Hey guys, Hello. really glad that you all can tune in for this fourth episode of Be All You. I've been having a lot of fun making these and having these conversations with different people. And today's episode, I figured it'd be good to give you guys some context. Picture this. It's a hot July morning on a Friday. It's around 10 a.m. And because of the pandemic, we're all wearing masks and I'm making sure I keep my distance from them. We're currently in the basement with my grandparents sitting next to each other on a couch with a mic in front of them on a small table and me sitting on the other side of the room on the floor with my computer. We're definitely trying to follow the six feet apart rule. You'll definitely be able to tell this throughout the interview, but the mic picks up almost everything that my grandparents do. All right, let's kick off this episode with an introduction from my grandma. Hi, I'm, I'm uh, Zita Pruitt, and um, I was principal of um, several schools in Teaneck, New Jersey. Um, I've, when I retired, I served as a consultant, an educational consultant. I've run workshops at national conventions, educational conventions. I have um, written a book on um, professional development that uh, became on the publisher's best-selling list, and then they had us do a, a second edition six years later, and. Uh, it's still being sold. It was translated into two Chinese languages and French. Oh, wow. And um, it's I'm surprised. I'm still, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'll show you I'll show you the copies later. <laughs> uh, and I'm surprised it's still it's still being used in in many uh, school districts. Okay. 
So that was my grandma. As you can already tell, she's awesome. Some other stuff that she didn't brag about is that she created Teenex First pre-K and after-school program, and she helped unite and create an awesome family. Wow! Now let's hear the intro for my grandpa. Okay, people um, know that I like to do fishing, but that's definitely a hobby. Mm-hmm. I um, I'm a political person, and I've spent a lot of time in political environments. Um, I spent 30 years plus on a board of trustees at William Patterson, and when I when I left, they gave me a doctor of humane letters. I spent three some three terms as a board of education member in Teaneck, mm-hmm. and part of that time I was a president. I spent two terms as the council person in in Teaneck, and part of the time I was a deputy mayor. I, I'm a recent student of history. And last year, I spent the entire year doing research on the origin of mankind. Mm. And um, in February, I gave a lecture at the library on where do we all come from anyway. Mm. And we traced our origins back to the first wave of Africans to leave Africa 300,000 years ago. Uh, What my passion is now to educate black people and white people as to their common ancestry. And it is extremely important for black people to understand that their history did not begin at slavery. And it's also important for white people to understand that black people, although they've been discriminated against across the world, are as capable of achieving as white people might be. Okay, so as you can already tell from what my grandparents have said, both of them are lifelong learners. And I think just having that mindset of being a lifelong learner has inspired me to be who I am today. If you listen close enough, you can definitely tell that there are a lot of parallels between who my grandparents are and who I'm striving to be in the future. All right, everyone. Just a reminder, BLU is a show where we learn about other people. We take insights from other people's lives and apply it to our own life with the hope of becoming better from learning from others. In this episode, we've already learned that my grandparents are both community builders and lifelong educators. Throughout the rest of this episode, we'll learn more about the what, the why, and the how. We're going to be diving more into why they've developed this passion for education and how they actually go about having an impact on their community and the people around them. Let's first hear from my grandma as to why she's so passionate about education. Well, um, one of my passions has been early education. So as principal of the the Bryant School, I used to tell the teachers that when the child could start reading when a child in their class starts reading to send them down to my office send them down to the principal's office for them to read the book for them to read to me I wanted them to be coming to the principal's office for something good not something bad and when they came down and I would have them sit in a special chair called the reader's chair and they would read their book to me and I would make such a fuss over them 
and I would give them a big sticker and I would tell them that now you are in the world of literacy and your your world will your, your life will never be the same wow. and I would congratulate them because that really does make a huge difference in one's life yeah. and the other thing I pushed when I was um, a print principal was to encourage the children to to think I am lovable to feel I am lovable and I am capable mm-hmm. and so I think this was very important throughout. I would give um, instructions to the parents about the specific things that can make children feel loved and make them feel capable at, at our parents' meetings. And it's interesting because sometimes I meet these parents now who are now grandparents, and they still remember the motto, you know, I am lovable and capable. And I am coming across students now who are grown up and they still remember some of those assemblies and things where I talked about, I am lovable and capable. Hey, hold up. That actually reminds me of something. Throw back to the first episode where my positive affirmation was that I love myself and I love who I am. It seems like positive affirmations run in the family. My grandma's positive affirmation is that I am lovable and that I'm capable. Positive affirmations work. Let's go back. And um, it's so it's so rewarding to, to for them to see those people, and for them to recognize me and remember me. Uh, I, I just had it the the other day. I was um, at at a hospital, and uh, this person came up to me, and she recognized me, even though I'm much older and grayer and so on. And she says, "I remember you. You were my principal." And then wow. talked about all of the wonderful things that we used to do in school. And the other thing that I would do was um, I wanted to encourage them to explore uh, varieties of, of activities. My grandma then proceeds to get up and walk across the room to show me a stuffed animal wearing a t-shirt. I don't really know what the t-shirt said, but apparently people would wear this t-shirt as almost like a mascot for her enrichment program. Let's hear more. And... Um, one of the things that I would do that was had I would have an enrichment program. This is for them to explore different things. Mm-hmm. And I organized the staff in, in developing some of the things that they were passionate about. And so these children got a chance to pick the things that they might want to go to. And I called it enrichment time. Mm-hmm. And to make it fun for the kids, I would get I had a little mascot called Richie. For enrichment time. This is the shirt. The, the, awesome. the parents had the parents made the shirt. I just put it on a little stuffed animal here. But we have this is the mascot, Richie. And I would get on the fo- on the micro on the microphone in the school and I would start barking and say, This is Richie. It's time for enrichment time. And so the kids would then go to the different things that they love to do, the different patches. See, the teachers signed up for what they wanted, what they love to do, and the, and the children would then sign up. And so these little kids would go walking off to their very separate activities on Fridays, fabulous Fridays, and, um, and you know, to the barking of Richie, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was really mean, but they didn't know that. 
<laughs> so I was encouraging encouraging them to explore, and to explore their their passions. And I I still I I meet parents now, people who are parents now, who were children in the school, and they still remember some of these things and. And, and Richie. So why, where does that come from? Like, where does your passion, and Grandpa, you can also jump in as well, but where does that passion for education and developing others come from? Um, well, for me, it came from my parents. Yeah. Um, my mother did, I don't think she finished high school. Um, my father did finish high school. And, um, but they always wanted me to do my best in school. And um, so my father used to help me with my homework all the time. Mm-hmm. And I would go to school and I would know things ahead <laughs> of the rest of the class because he was teaching me. Yeah. And, and sometimes um, the language might be a little different because he would say, he, he was in Jamaica and they came up under the British system. And so they used vocabulary for a, per- for a period that we used at the end of a sentence. They would say full stop. And so I would say full stop. And the teacher would say, full stop. And then she would teach me, well, that's a period, but... Uh, so he would teach me a lot. Then my mother, on the other hand, she was the one that went to school and watched what was going on. Um, and when I went home and um, told her one time that some um, white kids were skipped ahead in class and in, into the next grade, my mother came to school and said, my daughter is as smart as anybody in this school. And she demanded <laughs> that I be skipped. Yeah. And I was skipped, and and I was skipped again, and oh, skipped wow. again. Oh, wow. So I got, I ended up getting out of school at sixteen. How many times did you get skipped? It's about uh, twice, and then a third time because the class that I got skipped into was a rapid advancement oh. class. Yeah. Wow. So I I ended up um, starting college when I was sixteen years yeah. old, and I got out when I was twenty. Wow. So. Um, and I came out of Phi Beta Kappa, forgot to mention that, mm-hmm. because they all they just expected us to do our best. Yeah. So they, they expected us, even though they themselves did not have college education, mm-hmm. they expected us to to do our best. And, and you know, they, they worked, you know, either at home yeah. or at school <laughs> yeah. to make sure that we got what we needed to, to get. Yeah, right. so that's where that comes from. Okay. And now let's hear why my grandpa was so passionate about education. And be warned, my grandpa is the type of person to pretty much say whatever he feels as though is important to say in the moment. So he might not directly answer the question, but what he has to say is still very important. Listen up. Okay. You know, you asked the question, but I'm going to answer what I want to answer. Okay, yeah, yeah. You can say whatever you want to say. Uh, first of all, from an educational point of view, um, I believe... Achievement, educational achievement, has one hundred percent to do with instruction. Mm-hmm. If you get the right kind of instruction, you can be anything that you would like to be. Um, I think that classroom teachers ought to be taught to behave like coaches. In other words, a coach gets to stay the coach if the team is a winning team. Otherwise, he loses his job. If classroom teachers believe that they were being evaluated on how well the kids learned, 
that may have an attitudinal change on, on how some of them behave. But you know, I'm, I'm 86 years old, and I look back on a, a long, happy life, and, and the one thing that stands out the most educationally was the time I spent at the Janice Dismas Middle School. I was the, uh, the principal. And while principal at that school, I think we had, had the best middle school in New Jersey, maybe the best middle school in the world. We, we gave kids um, experiences that other middle schools didn't have. One experience was we had a, a literary club. And the literary club studied Shakespeare. So we sent the club to Stratford-on-Avon in, 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 in England to study straight Shakespeare up, up close. Mm -hmm. We had a community, a, a human relations organization in our group. So we sent kids to Waterloo, Iowa to participate in their statewide community wow. relations, middle school kids. Wow. We, um, we sent kids to Williamsburg, Virginia on class trips. We sent them to Philadelphia on class trips. And we sent them on uh, trips to Washington, D.C. It was, it was kind of a, a wonderful time that I look back. And the, the icing on the cake is some of those kids have grown up. And some of the people who work with me have moved on to bigger and better things. Mm -hmm. And one of my assistant principals became a municipal judge in TNAC for 30 years. Mm -hmm. One of my students is currently the police chief in Inglewood. Mm -hmm. Another student is the Bergen County Sheriff right now. Another student, which is one I talk about a lot, is currently the middle school principal mm -hmm. in Inglewood right now. Uh, now, in addition to that, I had a chance to mentor principals across the state when I left the middle school principalship. And, and a couple of those guys have become superintendents of school. And even now, I um, I get to mentor folk in the educational business. They call me up and they ask me things, and I try to help them through the day. But there's one little piece of, of the history at the middle school which really put the candle on the icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was interested in things that community people were interested in. And this guy came to see me one day in a plasterer's outfit, it means he was all dressed in white. And he says, you know, I have some theories on how to get kids to learn. So we, we had a conversation and, and what happened was we, we, we took a, a recording device and we put information on that recording device. Mm -hmm. And while the kids were traveling from class to class in the break between periods, we would, pay, we would play the stuff. Mm -hmm. So we first started out by, by teaching them 
you know, big words. And then we, 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 we talked them uh, a couple of words in Spanish. We taught them some other things. There was a variety of, of information that we gave to them. And so at one point we said, let's see if this is working. So we tested the entire school on their times table. And then we used this device for a couple of weeks. And this guy, this guy, <laughs> this guy who, who, who was a plasterer by trade said, look, I figured it out. If you hear something a certain number of times, it goes into your long-term memory. We tested those kids at the end of this period, and the improvement in score was astronomical. Um, so this kind of got some fame. Mm -hmm. So the State Education Department sent some people up to investigate to see what we were doing. Um, and they, they were quite impressed. But the superintendent of schools was threatened. Oh. Because this, this guy in a plastering outfit went to the went to the superintendent and said, you know, I need to get paid for my, my participation. Mm -hmm. And so the uh, superintendent painted this person as a person who was trying to mind control kids. Mm. I think that's what education is, you try to mind control. Yeah. So they didn't they didn't pay him. So he took his recorder and went to the Muslim school, and they loved him. That was your granddaddy. Whoa, and yeah, my grandpa's right. That person that my grandpa described in that story was my other grandfather, Grandpa Livingston. That was the grandpa on my mom's side, and frankly, he was a genius. I'll definitely be talking about him more in other episodes, but to summarize what my grandpa was saying, my other grandpa, Grandpa Livingston, basically invented a recording device that allowed students to learn things like multiplication tables, Spanish vocabulary, or just advanced vocabulary as they were on their way to their next class. Wow! If you think about it, it was really smart for his time period. Unfortunately, my grandpa Livingston is no longer with us, but every day I learn more and more about the huge impact he had on his community. Love you, Grandpa. Aww. Clearly, with all of my grandparents having huge impacts on their communities, my genes are blessed. Hopefully, I can live up to their potential and have a similar impact on my community as they did for their community. Uh, and I, I think I've looked back at him many times, and um, I realized that you cannot look at a person through their skin color, or what color outfit they wear and determine what their qualifications is. It's an internal thing and you have to be willing to be open when somebody comes up with an idea, try it out, see if it works. Okay, so, so far we've heard from my grandparents what they do, why they like to do it. Now let's hear how about they actually go about doing it. So how do they actually go about being educators and building their communities? Let's first hear from my grandma. Um, I'm, I've, I make up a schedule of, um, from uh, a list of things to do every every night before I go to bed. I have my list of things to do the next day. So when I was a principal, uh, when I was in school, 
I had some babies, and I would get up at 5.30 in the morning to wash diapers. <laughs> yeah. um, that was, let's see, was I principal then? But I was certainly doing that before I went to school. Yeah. And um, get the diapers on, make the, I would start off making the food backwards. I'd start cooking the dinner. I would put the dinner in a crock pot. Yeah, but oh, I'd put it in a crock pot. <laughs> I was really organized. Wow. Then I'd make the lunches to wow. pack for, 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 for school. Then I'd make the breakfast. <laughs> but I learned, I learned how to structure my time and organize my time. So when I, when I would come home at lunchtime, and luckily I, I always worked pretty near. Well, not always, but I, once I moved to Teaneck, I, I lived pretty nearby. I would come back and check the crock pot at lunchtime, just make sure it, you know, it was going good. And then when I came home at night, the food was all hot and ready and steaming, ready nice. for us. But yeah. it was like cook dinner first, start dinner, then lunch, the sandwiches, wow. then then the breakfast. So I've always been uh, very organized in terms of my time uh, to get everything done. Mm. Um, I Long ago, um, I read a book by Louise Hayes, and I forgot what she called it, but um, it had to do what we now call vision boards. Mm. And so I started doing that when I was, oh, I guess in my early 30s or late 20s, mm-hmm. creating the vision board, things, putting graphic images and words of things that I wanted to aspire, that I wanted to come to pass and manifest in my life. Yeah. I started doing those vision boards and... They work. <laughs> yeah, they, they really do. work. Yeah. I, I, I continue to do it. I got the family doing it mm-hmm. now too. Um, and, and so that's another way of helping you to visualize and structure what it is you want out of your life. Yeah. That, that And it seems to work. It has worked for me. Yeah. So many of those things have come to pass. Uh, and, I, and I'm so pleased that the people in the family are, are, are now doing it and, and taking it to heart. So those are some of the other things that um, I'm working on my memoirs. So uh, and there is a section in there that that has some of these advice things in it. Yeah. So. So just to recap a little bit of what my grandma said, and just to brag about her just a little bit, my grandma was not only an elementary school principal, but she also raised four kids as well. She was like a super mom. And on top of that. My grandma got our entire family into vision boarding. And because of her, every year we get together during New Year's and we all create our very own vision boards for that year. Thanks, Grandma. And now let's hear from my grandpa and how he does what he loves and what habits he's instilled in his life to become the person who he is today. Listen up. I consider myself a community activist. My parents were community activists. My mother was a... A, a club woman, but she was also a cooperative fund committee chairperson at Camp Menacing for a long time. And uh, my father was on the evaluation committee for the Eagle Scouts and the Boy Scouts of America in, in, the, in, in Harlem. Little side note about me. I, too, am actually an Eagle Scout. Shout out Troop 28! Seems like greatness just runs in the family. Let's get back. Uh, uh, my my folks had block associations, and they 
they were participating in in the local community, and I uh, I followed that by being involved in the local street association. I think I was the president of Voorhees Street. Mm -hmm. Then I became the president of the Northeast Neighborhood Presidents Association, mm -hmm. and then I went to the Board of Ed and I went to um, to the City Council. But let me talk about education. Um, education has was not good to me. Mm. When when I left the Clinton High School, I went to Hunter College, you know, and I spent nine semesters at Hunter College. Most people spend only eight. Every semester, I would get this warning: if you don't raise your index to 2.0, we're gonna have to cut you loose. Mm -hmm. So five out of nine semesters, I got this warning note. Wow. And I think I graduated from Hunter College with a, with a, a 2.0 dot <laughs> one. Okay. So wow. that was not a, not a good educational experience from, from the success side. So I went on NYU and uh, got a master's in science education. Mm -hmm. And my advisor, during the last semester, you know, gave me a little piece of advice on my way out. And I'm not sure if I have the terminology right, but it's dramatic this way. He said, boy, you have enough education now. So I guess that meant that I should stop. Then I went on to teacher's college and got a doctorate in education. I thought that was a good place to stop. But the crowning piece of the education story is I graduated from Hunter College in 1956. In 2009, I got my name up on the wall as a Hall of Famer for Hunter College in, in New York City. Oh. That, that, was, that was a crowning achievement on my part, mm -hmm. and I feel very passionate about that because what happened at Hunter to make me unsuccessful had to do with instruction, not capability. Mm -hmm. So as I went to the next set of people, next set of schools, I had better instruction, got better grades, and finished on time. Okay, and even though they both don't directly say it, my grandparents both got their EDDs from Columbia School of Education. That's basically the equivalent to a doctor's PhD. Their formal titles are Dr. Henry and Dr. Zita Pruitt. My grandparents are awesome, y'all. I forgot to say, um, I also graduated um, from Hunter College. And I think he took the extra term just so he could graduate with me. Uh, <laughs> however, that's not the main thing. I mean, we did walk down to graduation together. Um, uh, but that's not the main point I wanted to make. The main point is, I forgot to say, I uh, always like to achieve. I got graduated Phi Beta Kappa and Cum Laude. Wow! So as you just heard, my grandparents both graduated from Hunter College. My grandma was a straight-A student who skipped through grades and who graduated college at 20, while my grandpa was someone who spent nine semesters as opposed to eight graduating college. But in the end, they both ended up creating an amazing family and having a huge impact on their community and the people around them. I think it's true love, y'all. Talk about power couple. Am I right? Yes. Okay. 
as we near the last portion of this episode, and right before my grandparents give their advice, I figured it would be good to talk about my experience being a grandson of Henry and Zita Pruitt. For me, I've always admired my grandparents. I've had so many instances of community leaders coming up to me and asking me, hey, are you a Pruitt? Tell your grandparents I said hi. Having that recognition and having my grandparents both be so admired by so many different types of people made me want to be like them and really made me want to have an impact on my community and an impact on the people around me just as much as they did for their community and the people around them. I've truly been inspired to follow in the footsteps of my grandparents. Now, let's hear some advice from my grandma and grandpa Pruitt. Let's start with my grandma. I I think one of the things that I learned early on, my grandparents taught me, is not to let other people, of other people's opinions, pull you down. If you have a goal or a dream, you go for it. And and don't let other people try to pull you down. Um, Because they really, they're they're just jealous of you and they're, they're trying to get you down to their level. Specifically, that the, the specific experience where it really was very dramatic for me was when I took the special tests. Um, New York City has special schools. And I took the test for music and art. Mm-hmm. And I took the test for Hunter College High School. Um, for, for music and art, you had to be gifted in either one of those two things. Hunter College High School, you had to be academically, you know, really achiever. A real achiever, and they don't take many black people. Not that they don't take any, but not many black people were admitted to those schools. Mm-hmm. I took the test for both of those schools, and when um, I got into both of them, mm-hmm. then the people on the block started telling my mother and my father, "Oh, don't let her go to those schools. She'll get headaches, and they'll they from too much studying, <laughs> and she'll go crazy." And I, I, <laughs> and so that was one of the times when my parents really, I mean, they have told us other times, you know, not to pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. But I really remembered that particularly because it was so dramatic yeah. where people were trying to stop us, stop me from going and achieving. And my parents said, you know, taught me that. Don't, don't listen to that. And I passed that advice on to all of you, to my kids and to others mm-hmm. and, to, and to you kids that you you don't listen to those negative people, those negative forces that are trying to, you know, dim your passion or, or stop your progress. Yeah, right. You know, don't listen to them. Also, surround yourself with positive people. Right. Cut out, the, if, if there are people who, who are really negative in your life, you don't have to yell at them or anything, but just sort of cut them out of your life. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it, you know, gradually. Don't don't surround yourself with negative people. Just surround yourself with positive people in your life. So those are two other things that can help you to progress throughout your life. Just to recap on my grandma's advice, her two pieces of advice were, one, were to ignore the negative forces and negative people in your life. Just block them out. And two is to surround yourself with positive people in your life. Surround yourself with people who are going to empower you and lift you up. Especially after this pandemic, I feel like now more than ever, we all know what's good for us. And we all know what we can do to create a life better for ourselves. So let's get to work. Finally, 
Let's listen to my grandpa and what he has to say. Okay, I I think that young people, as they develop over time, should not let their economic status or their current school situation or their current achievement level hamper a desire for them to be whatever they want to be. I mean, there, there are people who are in the heart of Harlem and other kinds of uh, ghettoized areas. They say, I can never become a doctor, or I can never become a lawyer, or I can never become whatever. And I think that people need to follow their dream. And many of them will surprise themselves because we biologically, unless we have some special deficiency, are capable of achieving whatever it is that we want to achieve. And sometimes it's really, really hard to make that happen, but I think people should keep their eye on their dream and work towards what's required to make that dream come true. Just to give a recap of what my grandpa just said, his advice was to follow your dreams. No matter what family you were born into or what situation you were born into, everyone has the capacity and the ability to follow their dreams and to follow their passions. And that's what I really want BLU to instill in people. No matter who you are or no matter what you've been through, we all have the capacity to live our best lives. So let's get to work. And cut! Thank you everyone for listening to this fourth episode of BLU. On this episode, we heard from my grandparents, Henry and Zita Pruitt, and we learned what they love to do, why they love to do it, and how they love to do it. And they even gave us some helpful life advice. Just to summarize that advice, my grandma said, block out the negative forces in your life, surround yourself with positive people, and my grandpa told all of us to follow our dreams. Stay tuned next week where we interview my older sister, Danielle Pruitt. She's truly the side hustle queen. See you later. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and of course, BLU.org. That's B-E-A-L-L-Y-O-U dot org. At B-L-U dot org, you can check out the bios, blog posts, and other insights learned from each guest. And who knows, you might just be the next person who's featured on the show. Be who you are and do what you love. Stay tuned. This is just the start.